Lord, open our eyes to your word and open our hearts to obey it. Amen. (coughs) When I was uh, working in Canada, I once heard this question. Why are so many church people like the St. Lawrence River in winter? The answer, frozen at the mouth. It's true, isn't it? Lots of us never speak about Jesus Christ to our friends and neighbours. We restrict it to a formal hour in church on Sundays. We don't appreciate that the good news is our business to share. Well, that's the theme I want to pursue this week. Good news is our business. I'd love to see each of you so gripped with the good news of Jesus that you can't keep quiet about it and that you bring somebody with you tomorrow. But for that to happen, we'd need a good deal of persuading, wouldn't we, that it's our business to spread the good news. Surely that's the clergy's job. No, not exclusively. They are not in contact, as most of you are, um, for each working day with colleagues who may not yet have any living faith in Christ. The New Testament makes it plain that every Christian is called to be a witness. It's called to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a great word for it, pleraphoria in Greek, being so full of him that it bubbles over, over in the most natural way. Let's listen to a man who could not keep quiet about Jesus, the Jesus who changed his life. This is what it cost him. Five times the Jews gave me the thirty-nine lashes with a whip. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys. In danger from rivers. Danger from bandits. Danger from my own people. Danger from pagans. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. And he goes on. I was hungry and thirsty. Often cold and naked. Why did the Apostle Paul do it? What a contrast to today's reluctance to mention Jesus in public, uh, taking the easy way out of um, moral discussions, of going to church on Sundays perhaps, but not really letting it affect our lives much in the week. If a friend becomes a Christian, great. But if not, uh, no harm done. They're okay as they are. That's our attitude, isn't it? And I wonder if we haven't missed something in this um, 21st century Western Christianity. Have we gone soft? Wouldn't it be great if we could get the fiery apostle here today and ask him, Paul, um, why don't you retire? You've done a good job. Um, Why don't you give up? And this, I think, is what he would say to us. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deceptive things nor distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from God and not from us. Paul, why don't you give up? Ah, he says, I've received mercy. That's why. I'm a forgiven man. That's the coiled spring behind everything else I do. I was the last man to deserve anything from Jesus. But he's poured his undeserved love, his sheer grace on me. And I can't help telling people in this society that has been so stripped of grace. I have received mercy, even me. I've come to realize the immensity of God's mercy more and more. Why, when I wrote 1 Corinthians, I called myself unfit to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Later, when I wrote Ephesians, I came to see that I was less than the least of all Christians. And now, as I write to Timothy, I see myself as the chief of sinners. Down, down, down. Exaggeration? No. When I'm face to face with the Lord, there is no one else in the frame. I realize that I mess up daily, and daily the Lord forgives me. Where else can I find anything like that in the whole world? I cannot keep quiet. I've received mercy. And there's a second reason. I have received this ministry. Just think of it. This ministry of drawing rebels back to their rightful Lord, of seeing men and women get right with God, he's entrusted it even to me. What an incredible privilege. If President Bush were to call me up and say, hey, I've got a job that I need done, and Michael, you're just the very person to do it, wouldn't I jump to do it? Of course I would. Well, says the Apostle, we have received this ministry, you and I, not men and women in the Congress, not judges, not generals, unless they're Christians, but God has entrusted the message of the Gospel to one group of people. There are millions of them all over the world, but all come in at the same level. They've all been to the cross for mercy. They've surrendered to Jesus Christ, and to their amazement, he has said, I will make you my trusted ambassador. I give you this ministry. No wonder, says Paul, no wonder I don't give up. There's a lovely story that after uh, his ascension, Christ returned to heaven, and there's a great party amongst the angels. And they um, said to him, what a marvelous job you've done on earth, but tell us, what are the plans you've got for its continuance? And Jesus says, well, I've got uh, 12 men, now come think of it, 11 men and some excellent women, um, uh, th they'll carry on the work. Are, are, are these um, men and women of enormous intellect, asked the angels? Are they top people in world society? No, no, there's the odd tax gatherer and a mystic or two and a fisherman or three um, and a freedom fighter. And the angel blanched, if angels can go white. And he said, 
what if they fail? And the master said, if they fail, I have no other plan. So I have received mercy. I have received this ministry. That's why I do not give up. And the third reason is, says the old apostle, that people need the Lord. Folks, the apostle would say, I want you to understand the real needs of the people round about you. They're all in the same boat. They all need the Lord. Actually, each of them has three massive problems. First of all, there is a veil drawn over their faces when the gospel is proclaimed. It's like a curtain. They can't see what real Christianity is all about. They think it's about church and buildings and Sundays. They have no idea that it's a friendship with the most wonderful person in the world. That it enables them to stand tall with no guilt or blame attached to them before the living God, despite all the bad stuff they've done. They've no idea that this is a lifelong job for the best employer in the world, in the company of the most winsome people in the world to hang out with. They just don't get it, your friends. And they wonder why they remain dissatisfied and empty and unfulfilled. Jesus Christ is the one who can change all that. And they simply don't get it. People need the Lord. They're blind to him. And secondly, they're perishing. The God of this world has blinded the minds amongst those who are perishing. They haven't perished yet, but they're in a very dangerous situation. You see, they have a life-threatening disease. We call it sin. Everyone has got it. It's like a virus in our bloodstream. It affects our words and our thoughts, our actions and our attitudes. In the end, it will affect our destiny. And it does two things, this virus of sin. Notice that middle letter, I, is the central letter of sin. And that's what it's all about. It's I, 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 the story of my whole life in rebellion against my gracious maker. And it creates two things, guilt on the one hand and power on the other, as we've just been singing in that hymn, Rock of Ages, save me from its guilt and power. Guilt and grip, that's what it does. Guilt because God is holy and I am not. He is pure and I am not. He is honest and I am not. He is love and I am not. And an enormous gap opens up between God and me, and nothing can span it. I need to th used to think, says Paul, that being a Pharisee and trying hard and synagogue services and hair shirts would buy pardon from God. Until I came to see that even the ability to do these things comes from him alone. And anyway, he doesn't need anything I have to offer. So I'm left penniless with no bargaining chips if I try to negotiate with God. My only hope was mercy. And praise God, he poured out his mercy on me on that Damascus road you must have heard about, and he's been doing it every day since. But it's not only my guilt before God that's the trouble. It's the power, it's the grip of this stuff that messes up my life. 
And everywhere we see men and women in chains to pornography, to lies, to anger, to substance abuse, to pride and the rest. Whoever commits sin becomes a slave of sin. That's what my Jesus told us, says Paul. Sin gets us all in the end. And that's why people need the Lord. They have this sin virus. <coughs> however charming they are, however able, this virus flows through their veins. It brings guilt and it brings grip. And there's no way out. And the other thing I would remind you, says the Apostle, is that they're blinded by Satan. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's saying there is an anti-God spirit behind all the evil in this world. He's saying that this anti-God spirit has a great aim, to keep people from Jesus. He doesn't mind how wise, clever, beautiful or civilized they are, so long as the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ does not shine into their hearts. And his method is to blind their eyes, to dazzle them with short-term goals, with sex and power and wealth and success and intellect. But just make sure they don't think seriously about where they come from or where they're heading to. Or what the purpose of life is all about. Satan is like Al Jazeera television. Out to blind you with propaganda. Oh, you're a great person. You don't need Jesus. Look how strong. Look how successful. Look how beautiful you are. You're fine just as you are. And it's lies. It's propaganda. People need the Lord. They're dazzled. They're blinded by the God of this age if I may interrupt the Apostle for a moment. It was when I realised this, about the age of 18, that people were in the grip of dark forces that needed liberation. It was then that my life changed. I saw that my friends desperately needed the Lord. I knew the Lord by then and it was my duty and it's since become my life's joy to pass this good news on. People need what I have, and that has been burning in my heart all these years. I hope that it never dies out. <clears throat> and if you let this truth sink into your souls today, you will never be the same, nor will this great city. You have received mercy, have you not? You have this incredible privilege, this ministry of representing Jesus, to your circle. And maybe you've seen, perhaps this morning, that your friends, your educated, civilized, charming friends, may be like people lost in a fog. The good news has a curtain drawn over it, as far as they're concerned. The guilt and the grip of sin puts them in a very dangerous position. And there is an anti-God force anxious to keep them from the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But God has shone in your heart, has he not? To give that very knowledge. And so though we have this treasure 
in frail jars of clay, it is imperative that we pass it on. For the good news is our business. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the clarity of the Apostles' teaching. We pray that we may share the Apostles' passion and not be frozen at the mouth. To the glory of your name. Amen. And now may the blessing of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be upon you, fill you with his grace and courage and make you his ambassador this coming week. Amen.